Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us once again here at the Sound Logic Podcast. And today we are excited to discuss album number 98 in Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 Greatest Albums list. This is Car Wheels on a Gravel Road by Lucinda Williams. If you've been a listener of the podcast for a while, you know that we tackle these blocks of albums in groups of 10 or so. And, and when we get to the end of a group of 10, we do our own re-ranking and say which ones were our favorites. We also usually look ahead. Um, this was an album, as we were looking ahead, where Mike and I both said, boy, I, I don't really know anything about this album. Uh, maybe we better find some people who know. So uh, I did a, a Facebook search for Lucinda Williams' name and realized embarrassingly that uh she had been in our town and i didn't realize it and that a couple good friends had been in attendance at that concert and reached out and they were kind enough to say yeah we'll we'll join you on this podcast and so um yeah tonight we're joined by pia and sue uh two good friends uh and two kind of kindred spirits in the fight for more justice and equality in our small uh, mountain college town here in state college pennsylvania um, we were lamenting how long it's been since we've connected in person, um, but I'm so glad to have the two of you here tonight. Uh, in my work as a community organizer and campus minister, our paths would cross fairly frequently, especially around causes that we're all passionate about, like LGBT inclusion. Um, but since shifting gears to being mostly a stay-at-home dad, that just hasn't happened as often anymore. So I'm glad to reconnect in this way, though, and have you both with us. Um, as a way of introduction, uh, how do you introduce yourselves these days, uh, the two of you, um, and how you move about the world? So my name is Pia. Um, I am married to Susan. I identify as a woman and a lesbian. Um, I'm a professor at Penn State and a mental health counselor. Oh, that's a very short introduction. Do you want There's more? a whole lot more to you that we'll get to, I'm sure, as the episode okay. rolls along. <laughs> All right, so I'm Sue. Uh, I, I identify in the queer community as well. She, her, my pronouns. I'm married to Pia. And um, I'm actually a retired school counselor, although I have worked as a school counselor for the past two years in long-term substitute positions. Um, and I'm also a uh, cross-country coach at our local high school. Hmm. I've got a seventh grader who's getting more and more excited about heading to high school here um, these days. And she's got long legs. Maybe I need to nudge her towards cross-country. Yeah, we'll let's see. talk about that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Mike, what do you, how do you want to get rolling here um, this evening? Well, I, I first want to say thank you again to Pia and Sue for joining us. And this is our first time meeting because I'm not in the same mm -hmm. town. And yeah. after hearing that instruct introduction from both of you, I just I want to get to know you more now. But <laughs> but we'll have to do that another time. <laughs> um, Come to State College and have a beer with us. Yeah. There you go. Man, I need to do that. Um, and as Ben keeps reminding me, it's only six hours away, so I need to okay. hop in the car and come down. Well, next time, it's I will come and join you for sure. Um, I think we should just give some details on this wonderful album first uh, before we start talking about it and about uh, our interactions with it. So this album uh, released June 30th, 1998, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. This is Lucinda Williams' fifth studio album. Uh, all tracks written by Lucinda Williams, except I Can't Let Go, written by Randy Weeks, and Still I Long for Your Kiss, co-written by Williams and Dwayne Jarvis. So she was the creative behind most of this album. It charted well um, on the Canadian country charts, <laughs> went to number 14, and on the Billboard in the U.S. went up to number 65. Uh, and I think it, it debuted at 68, so um, not too bad for... a. A country album on what is usually a mostly a pop and rock chart uh, yeah. certified gold in the u.s and to date or uh, in 2014 um 872 000 copies sold in the u.s alone um there, there's a lot of 
interesting history. I won't read everything about this album, but uh, she experienced some some good success from her previous album called Sweet Old World. And uh, some artists like Tom Petty covered, and I think Emmylou Harris, they covered some of the songs. And that gained her a little more popularity, mm-hmm. even with some of the other artists. So this was an anticipated album. Um and in many ways, a lot of people consider this uh, a breakthrough album for a new genre, which was called alt-country. Also, um, it wasn't really a genre yet, but the Americana genre, this is considered a, an important album at the beginning of Americana. Um, the initial recording sessions for this album, which was released in 98, started back in 95. And she recorded a lot of the album, and she wasn't happy with her vocals. She decided to start from scratch. <laughs> and <laughs> we hear this every once We've in a while. Heard I'm this just before. blown away when when the studio says okay to that plan, like or, or your <laughs> label where you've you've invested so much in this person. They're like, no, nope, not good enough. Let's start over. <laughs> so, um, she she said that she. This is a quote from from William. She said, "I was trying to grow. I didn't want to make another Sweet Old World, which was her previous album. She wanted something new. So, um, her producer." At the, she started with, Gurf Morlix said that he thought the album was about 90% done when she decided to scrap it and start <laughs> over. So um, she was collaborating with another artist, Steve Earle, and uh, she asked him to help, which really made uh, Gurf Morlix very upset, and he eventually stepped down from the project. So Steve Earle came in as a co-producer so we've also talked about some of these big production changes yeah sometimes really can change obviously um how an album goes and when it's a successful album we tend to say oh the change made it better so that could be the case here um just a couple more quick notes here steve earl appears as a guest in the album alongside or sorry as well as not on the same track necessarily as well as emmy lou harris a legendary country folk artist um, this album won the Grammy Award in 99 for the uh, Best Contemporary Folk Album. And also she had a nomination for Best Female Rock Vocal Performance for the single Can't Let Go. So we see this crossover between country and rock and folk that she's blending all these genres in uh, in this album and in her music. Yeah, I mean... and. This is more just a tidbit about Lucinda Williams, too. Right. Uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter actually sang her song, uh, her, her really popular song, Passionate Kisses, was actually written by Lucinda Williams. Okay. Um, which a lot of people don't know. Um, you know that song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, back in 1988, I think. So well before this album. But I think that in some ways, that probably definitely launched her into more of the spotlight. Um, Mary Chapin Carpenter won a Grammy for that. Um, and Williams won best country song, um, for writing it. So Mike and I turned 40 last year. So in 1998, we were in the prime era of our CD buying lives, like late teen years, like most of our paychecks were going to, to purchasing music. And I feel so disposable income. (laughs) I feel so embarrassed that this pivotal late nineties album totally passed me by and i've been trying to sort of narrow down why that is this week i know i had a strong chauvinistic bias against female artists for some reason in my high school years um and i also had a pretty strong bias against country music so perhaps there were two things um, working against me in that case but she sounds so much like in the same sort of sweet spot of so many artists that i love today it makes me just sort of like hurt inside that that this brilliant thing was out there just totally oblivious probably just a rack or two over from wherever i was browsing in the cd store not <laughs> accessing this um it, it's been actually a a lovely kind of bittersweet gift i guess to, to stumble upon it uh, much after its debut but i'm, I'm glad we're here tonight <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just before we get into some of our, our reflections here, we'd love to talk about um, album covers, the artwork. Uh, I think it it shares so much of an identity with with an album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is this is a 
a very simple photograph and it's almost split in half um, horizontally if you google it right now have a look at it um, the top is the sky and the bottom is is the dirt road uh, mostly mm-hmm. um, leading towards a little a little house with you can see you know patio lights different colors it's very small um, and then the the title is in the top takes up most it's in the top left takes up most of the thing uh, I don't know. I'm not a font expert, but this looks like the kind of font that you'd have like kids' fridge magnets. Um, <laughs> it looks like that's the shape <laughs> of the letter. And yeah. very interesting design choice is they're not they're not in line. Mm-hmm. They're slightly yeah. out of alignment. Um, mm-hmm. Lucinda Williams is just a slightly larger font than the title underneath. Car wheels on a gravel road, and I thought, is that supposed to emulate? us driving on the gravel road of being bumpy and out of line i don't know uh really interesting choice um and then the color is or the the photo i mean the things the only objects the house and a car they're 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 not in focus so it's a really really interesting um artistic image um and this sometimes i see an album cover and even though I never knew what the album was, I say, hey, I've seen that image before. That's familiar. This was not familiar to me. Now, to, I think, I'll open this up to anybody, um, to those, and I think, Sue, you said earlier before we went on that you've started listening to her music more recently. Did mm-hmm. I get that right earlier? Right. So was yeah. was this album cover, was the art familiar to anybody before you'd seen it? Or is this, yeah, I'd, no. I'd, never, I'd never really no. seen it. Nope. There you go. Not at all. <laughs> Actually, but it reminds me of driving home. That's mm-hmm. what I think of when I see that picture. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going down your road and the lights are on. Yes. And you're mm-hmm. heading into home. Yeah, especially for those of us who grew up in areas with dirt roads or gravel driveways. There's uh-huh. something <laughs> very nostalgia, nostalgic about this. Yeah. This uh, this image is actually from a photographer from the state of Mississippi. Uh, his name is Bernie Imes. And uh, it's one of a number of images in a collection he has called Juke Joint. So that those sort of glowing, twinkly, uh, colorful lights that you were mentioning there, Mike, is welcoming people into the local Juke Joint. Um, oh, okay. This is a collection of photos documenting the uh, the vanishing of the black juke joints from the Mississippi Delta in photographs. Okay. And uh, this one in particular is called Turk's Place. It's in Lafleur <laughs> County, and it was taken in 1989, so about about a decade before this album came out. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I like that even more. You can not only does it feel like maybe going home, but you can almost hear the, the music in the distance, right? As you're mm-hmm. <laughs> pulling down the long lane to this uh, uh, little off the beaten path kind of uh, uh, music place. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it is. Um, so let's move in to the music. And <laughs> this is what I'm, I'm excited to talk about. And really what I'd like to do first and what we usually do and we can we can workshop it a bit if we want, but I'd like to hear from you, Pia and Susan, how you how you got into her music. Yeah, uh, and we could start with that. It doesn't have to be about this album, and then more specifically, uh, kind of some of the impact and reflections on this album in particular. So anybody, you can decide amongst yourself who goes first. But I really want to hear about your your interactions with this. Sure. I'll go first. Um, so if it, I'm 50, so just, just a touch older than, than the two of you. Um, you're 51. Oh, actually I am 51. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me, wifey. Um, and you know, ironically, I didn't know of Lucinda Williams back when this album came out. Um, I was, on the opposite side of Ben, only pretty, I was in this very like kind of uh, feminist, lesbian identity building stage in my life uh, where I was pretty much only listening to like lesbian artists, the Indigo Girls and Melissa Etheridge and that whole kind of genre. So folk was certainly in my wheelhouse. Um, 
Anita Franco was a really mm. big influencer on my on my musical taste at that time. But I had also, um, right around that time, had also just moved to Texas. And so there was this little bit of me that was getting a little bit more comfortable with some countries and like Shania Twain and, and more of the sort of <laughs> pop country artists. Um, but I actually was first introduced to Listen to Williams by a friend, um, a Canadian male friend, you'll be happy to know, um, wow. who was like, how have you never heard of Listen to Williams? And I was like, <laughs> oh no, I just haven't. And so he made me like a mixtape back when that was a thing. Um, I guess it was a CD probably um, of some Listen to Williams songs. Um, and that was my first introduction. And I remember, you know, kind of driving around with the CD on just repeat. I was, I loved her music. Um, I loved her raspy voice. I think a lot of her, her lyrics are very poetic. Um, there was, there's definitely this very sort of strong feminine, female power trait, um, I think that goes through not only her lyrics, but also just the sound of her voice. Um, and I just, I just fell in love with it. I mean, my favorite is not from this album of her songs, but two of my favorites, Righteously, which was from um, an album that came out a few years later. Um, and those three days. Um, and so those were from her album, World Without Tears, um, mm. which came out in 2003, which was probably right around the time that, that I was introduced to her. So, um, but Car Wheels on a Gravel Road definitely got incorporated as did her earlier album as well. Um, and when I found out she was coming, I was super excited to introduce Sue to her music. And that was her first time That's my first yeah she was like all right i'll go to this concert with you i have no idea who this person is job <laughs> <laughs> smacked Just, yeah yeah um, well i think because i was introduced to it to her live we were yeah. maybe in the third row yeah. oh, wow. i mean we were very close to the stage and and there she was right in front of us um and, and just her and her guitar yeah she and, wow. And, oh wow and, just the power. Well, she, I, th I think there were there were backup. Was there? Yeah, I no. think so. I don't remember the backup. I, I just know her. <laughs> because she was so stage central, you yeah. know. But just the power and the songs. I, she's such a visual singer for me. I mean, mm. I can see... I can see what she's singing about um, because she paints that picture so well. And to have her right there in front of me belting out these um, songs was... It, it was, yeah, it's one of the best concerts I ever went to. <laughs> I, and I'm not a country music fan, um, per se. I, don't think I did her listen to country, though. No, she's but, like rock folk. But I listened to Mary Chapin yeah. and Shania Twain and, you know, some of those people. Mm -hmm. But um, so that was like, what, 2018? Whenever she was here, well, you know, ben, like that. when she was here in State It was College. before COVID. So. But in 1995, yeah. I was. I was birthing my second child and married to a man and, um, you know, was up to my eyeballs and diapers and bottles and <laughs> body training and not paying attention to uh, paying attention. What, what was, what was cool <laughs> no. at the time. No, no. Uh, I know her sound has changed slightly through the years. She's always had that commanding voice, that power yeah. and that storytelling ability, but I, I think she has played a little bit with genre, which maybe makes her a little hard to categorize, perhaps, but mm -hmm. where exactly to classify her um, in, yeah. Yeah, in, what, in what space. Well, and listening to her live, her voice had even more of that vibrato that mm. now um, than it did when she cut that album. So that that tone and it, it just it's pretty amazing mm. yep so we listen to Lucinda Williams now a lot in our car when we're on road trips mm -hmm. Aww. <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's a very special thing to to experience an artist for the first time or sorry the first time you experience artists to experience them live yeah, um, and and I, and I can hear in, in in your telling the story, recalling it, how how much that's impacted you. That's yeah. really really yeah. cool. 
Yeah. And with someone you love too. Like I, yeah. e- even though yeah. you didn't listen to Joni Mitchell for the first time live, sitting down with your spouse, who's been a diehard fan for her whole <laughs> life, uh, I think totally changed that for you, right, Mike? The the sort of experience of like someone who wasn't yeah. going to let you yeah. not like this music. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I'm, you, yeah, you're making me relive that moment now. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but but it is it is special when you when someone says, almost holds your hand, like yeah. this is like this is special to me. Come and enjoy this with me, yeah. and that your first time will be with me. Uh, yeah, that's really really cool. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, good point. Good good. Uh, I didn't even wasn't even thinking about that. You brought that in. That's great. <laughs> yeah. No, and that and now that's an an album and an artist that I absolutely adore. So. I can yeah. certainly relate to that in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think crowd sat during that concert. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember no. sitting. I think we stood the whole time. Mm-hmm. It was at the State Theater, which is a, yeah. a seated yeah. uh, venue, but they stood. Wow, huh? And That's a neat. small venue where we've been yeah. to concerts before, where they're they're kind of a little, they get a little like sit down, sit down right, at you, right. and they didn't even try yeah. at this. Like, everyone was on their feet from like the second she walked yeah. on the stage. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Lots of energy. Mm-hmm. Ben, I don't, I don't want to talk as much this, this episode as we normally do. I'd like to leave it to our guests, but I do want to hear from you as kind of what were your first reactions when you heard, when you press play? Yeah, I think like, like I said, how did I not hear this sooner? And also, what might I have done with it if I had? I uh, I hear a lot of um, late '90s Cheryl Crow in yeah. in this album, and I wasn't a huge fan of Cheryl Crow. And you know, maybe for the reasons I mentioned earlier, would have dismissed it right away instead of. Maybe maybe I needed to wait another mm-hmm. <laughs> twenty five years to get to the point where I was where I was good about that. Um, I hear a lot of Amy Mann. I hear some. Uh, mm-hmm. I hear how Brandy Carlisle has borrowed some yeah. mm-hmm. from her, and um, yeah, it's just uh, it, it hit me a lot harder than I was expecting. Maybe um, there's some there's some '90s elements to it that that. Well, we'll get to whether it sounds dated or not uh, later in the episode. But there's there's elements that don't sound like some of the people I'm listening to right now. But uh, it's really good and it feels really comfortable and familiar for an artist that I've really never heard mm-hmm. before in my life. And mm-hmm. it's been um, a really, really nice discovery to to find myself at that point, too. Um, yeah, we, we listen to new music all the time in this uh, journey through Rolling Stone's list of the greatest albums of all time, and uh, I think I expected to be wowed by more of the albums than I have been. There's mm. there's lots that I'm just like, eh, I can see why this is good, but it's not tugging at my uh, <laughs> personal uh, right. palate or heart or something like that. And this one, I pressed play and was immediately like, okay, yeah, I'm okay here. <laughs> How about you, Mike? What was the what was it like for you uh, that? ominous moment pressing play yeah i don't know if i could say a whole lot that's not repeating almost verbatim what you said it was, <laughs> it, it, there was something very very familiar yeah. and we've had this before i uh, a few times one i could think of when we listened to uh erica badu and and i wasn't familiar mm-hmm. with that album but i was like this sounds like so many other things that came along in the 90s and when we I'm after it yeah so yeah. now i'm i'm hearing and not just this album but her career from her first from lucinda williams from her mm-hmm. first album i'm starting to hear wow i've heard her influence and in all these artists i grew up with mm-hmm. and had no idea because the yeah. very first thing the first track her vocal i was like was well, this sounds a bit like a courtney love mm-hmm. type vocal um different in many ways but i heard similarities and then you get to the next track and i'm thinking well now i hear cheryl crow Mm -hmm. um and really what i'm hearing is the i think is the impact that she's had on those artists Mm -hmm. um yeah uh uh, i heard her her vocal is very much in front of the music um it's is a that has to do with the mixing too but but they put her vocal way out which is appropriate because she has a very strong vocal it's interesting that she is very self-conscious of her vocal <laughs> uh, because I think it's wonderful, uh, yeah. very clear, very crisp. 
um, still Southern, <laughs> very Southern, yeah. but wonderful. And um, so that was the first thing that struck me. The second thing was um, we've talked about a guy like Bob Dylan who make one of the things ways he makes his music so relatable is he talks about places and mm-hmm. specific places and general places. You know, like I've been to New Orleans or. I spent this time in a bar or in a factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Springsteen does that too. And I heard that a lot here. She's dropping mm-hmm. all these places she's been to. And how relatable is that? Um, one thing I've learned, and Pia, you mentioned this, um, I think Americans much more than Canadians, some of it's due to military and some of it not, is that many Americans move around a lot um, mm-hmm. and live in many different states. Um, I think that happens less for Canadians. I don't know, Ben, if you mm. can say that or not. But never thought about that before. But uh, yeah, many of my the guests gut we've reaction had, is yes, that's true. <laughs> many of the guests we've had yeah. that you know that I'm meeting for the first time said, "Well, I lived in you know I lived in California, and then I lived in Texas, yeah. and I lived in." And it's me. It's like, well, I've been in you know around this city for my whole life, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think a lot of Canadians, at least Ontarians, stay kind of in the same place or maybe they go to vancouver because they want to be more western or coastal (laughs) anyways um um, so i think there's something very relatable um to all these different places and for her it's mostly in the south which Mm -hmm. which is appropriate for her for upbringing and that's something i noticed too and boy doesn't that draw you in um when you can go oh i've been there i can place myself there and the last Mm -hmm. thing before i and i want to stop talking um (laughs) (laughs) um in the title track car wheels on a gravel road and she's describing in sentences all these sights and sounds and things and i closed my eyes and thought about the sound of car wheels on a gravel road And I hadn't realized how much of an impact that's had in my life growing up rural. Uh, I couldn't hear it. I could feel it. You, when someone's coming down your lane, yeah. you, you could feel that. Um, you know, you can almost tell, and I don't know if either of you have experienced it, you can almost tell who it is sometimes. <laughs> I, I know that car. The oh, speed that, that they're traveling. Yeah, the, the speed or the, the tires. That it makes, yeah. The weight of the weight. vehicle. Yeah. Yep, the, the, that's, a, that's a truck. That's yeah. a little car. Uh, that must be so and so in their, you know, Toyota Tercel or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so I just felt that that was so visual, so visceral, uh, the way she described all those very common, very relatable sights and sounds of being in a small town. Um, that was just really. Um, our, ben, I'm I'm still living in the small town that we grew up in, but it's not so small anymore, and it doesn't always feel so rural anymore. <laughs> um, but I grew up, you know, on family farms, on working on farms, being out in the country. So a lot of those things uh, yeah. were really relatable. So th- those are the things that struck me on on a first listen, and I'm still trying to absorb as much of this as possible. The last thing yeah. I'll say before I turn it over again is I too, Ben, had some sort of bizarre uh, gut reaction against country music growing up. I don't know what it was. Why did that happen? Uh, we had that. Almost, I hate country. I can't stand this crap. Um, I did you have that too, Sue? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I grew up in a small town. Where did that come from? Because I had so many friends who the same thing. Oh, country sucks. That's so twangy. So... I, I really enjoy it now. <laughs> um, it's not the main genre I listen to, but I love it. I love the musicality, the the guitars. You know, really twangy guitar on this album is yeah. very much on in the forefront, and it's yeah. a beautiful sound. So, anyways, um, take Ben steer steer it away from me here. <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I've, I'm coming up with all kinds of theories as to why. No, no, no. There might be that that country music bias. I wonder too if it's like a posture thing. Like if you are in a small town, if committing to country music commits to the area, and oh. if you want to be open to that movement, to that like I'm. This is not where I'm gonna define myself or or whatever. Then you, you reject it as a like too conservative. Maybe I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is a this is getting a little rambly here. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a, a new to this artist kind of person, what I find myself wondering is how does Car Wheels on a Gravel Road fit into her other albums for the two of you? Um, is this is this your favorite of her of her many great works? Is it uh, one that you return to more than others? Um, or I guess I should also ask: Are there a number of her albums in rotation at your house or on Spotify or whatever, or or is it just this one? Yeah, I think, I mean, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road comes up a lot for us, definitely. Um, Because there's so many songs on it that are good. Great. Yeah. 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 It's hard to find one that I dislike in any Mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only other one that I I would say is on heavy rotation for me is is World Without Tears, which came out in 2003. And it's a much more... She's much raspier. Yeah. She's much more. There's like this kind of fierceness in mm. the lyrics of that of on that album. It feels that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little more mm, behind it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. a little more badass yeah. behind it. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit more into rock. I think that album yeah. and her voice on that album reminds me a lot of Janis Joplin. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. There's there's definitely like that component. It feels much more like '60s rock, yeah, in some ways for me, um, '60s '70s than a 2003 album. Mm. Um, for That's sure. so interesting. Yeah, we we've noticed that some of these artists with these really commanding voices uh, almost are separate than their peers. Like they they can be kind of mm-hmm. sound like they're in different eras. Mm-hmm. Uh, Springsteen and Dylan, who we both we've mentioned already, both have that quality of like doesn't sound like who you were singing with at that time. You, you, maybe you were, you know, time traveler. Yeah. It could be yeah, yeah. <laughs> just about anywhere. Yeah. yeah, seriously, it's so true. I don't have. I don't think there's another album I know as well okay. as Cartwheels. Right. As yeah. We mentioned, I think off mic, it was before we began, right? That she'd mm-hmm. had a, a stroke a few years ago, um, yeah. 2020, I think Wikipedia says. But she's still touring and still recording. She's got an album due out um, June of 2023. So as we're recording, just a month away. So still pretty prolific, I guess, <laughs> for someone who's who's lived a, a full life. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she didn't really get much traction until she was in her 40s or 50s, I think. So okay. I think that also maybe potentially has an impact on on her movement forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and her, her, I think there's a lot that she has left to do yeah. Um, yeah. in a sense because of that. I think, you know, the, I was reading this article about her and she was, she's coming out with a memoir um, mm. soon or coming out at some point and she was talking about that she was in Austin kind of trying to hit up the bars and this would have been in the late 80s kind of early 90s and they were kind of like yeah we have enough female singers you know because <laughs> um, it was a pretty prolific time I think for female yeah, singers yeah. back then right really making inroads into the music world 
on their own um, and really playing to like a female audience in particular, like thinking about Shania Twain coming mm-hmm. out of those people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But thinking about like the early Indigo Girls and yeah. Ani DeFranco and Melissa Etheridge yeah. and Amy Mann and right, all of those really awesome female-centered mm-hmm. musicians and bands. So I could kind of see her being like, and being like, yeah, we got enough. <laughs> um, in a really kind of unfortunate way. Yeah. Um, because I think one of the things that I really, I love so much about her music, and Sue kind of touched on it, was, you know, when, you, when you're listening to her lyrics, you, it's almost like watching it mm-hmm. play out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's often, there's been a couple, and I haven't done this since I was like, you know, 15, where I've gone back and like pulled up lyrics because <laughs> I feel like I need to sit with them a little bit more and I need to really like, okay, I have to read it. I can't just mm-hmm. listen to it or, or hear it at the same time um, because her lyrics are powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, her, I think her songs are like poetry. Um, yeah. They're just beautifully constructed. Um, or, and I think standalone could probably stand alone as poetry too. Um, I know her dad was a, a poet, so I'm sure that there was some some influence there, and he was a, a professor as well, I think, of literature. So, yeah. Well, hmm. But that that comes through very strongly for me. We've talked a number of times on the podcast about the way we consume music now with streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have the lyric book in our hands, right? So <laughs> even if we want to, or we have to almost cover do... album, right? Right, the... right. Yeah. Um, there is a, it's a, it's a bit more of a tr- challenge. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's a lot easier to Google lyrics now <laughs> than it was in the nineties, but, uh, <laughs> but you do have to take an effort. You can't just pull out the, the piece of paper and read, read that. And, and they are so beautiful too. I, I mean, so what we've already talked about, the specificity of her, of her music, um, she's not talking in, in vague notions. She's, she's pulling on your heart with very specific touchstones key points places mm-hmm. um yeah. activities events um yeah what do you think mike do you want to talk about specific tracks or well, what do we still want to want to cover here before we get to our final thoughts i have an idea so let's do <laughs> our, let's do favorite tracks um and then uh and then we can we can talk about other tracks too um so we always pick two tracks we have a spotify playlist and we pick two tracks from every album that we review. Mm-hmm. We put it on the playlist. It's called Sound Logic Favorites. Anybody can go listen to it. And when we have a guest, we'd love for our guests to pick the track <laughs> to go on there. So we have you, two guests. No, it works out perfectly. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, so we would love if you would each pick a track to go on this playlist. It can be your favorite or a song that you think best represents the album or you would want someone to hear but i think you should pick your favorite and if you have the same <laughs> if you have the same favorite then then someone gets to pick something else so mm-hmm. and feel free to to tell us why it's your favorite sure mm-hmm. um i so i i'll go uh, it's really easy for me to say drunken angel is my favorite because there's just something so catchy about that song Mm. Um, but I love Joy. Uh, I, Sounds I, a little different than the rest of the album, doesn't it? It Joy. does, and I, I, li- I like I like everything about it. Yeah, it is different, and and um, I like the power behind it. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> but you know, I I also. I'm, I, it's hard not to pick um, right in time, too. So, um, I'm going to pick Joy. Okay. That's a good choice. I love the Southern feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. What's the What's the guitar that's like, I don't know if it's a, it's a pedal steel guitar or something, but there's like a, or one of those metal bodied guitars. There's a different tonal sound there to that yeah. guitar. Yeah, so I initially was going to go with Drunken Angel, too, just because it is oh. that sort of catchy one on there. It's so easy to sing. It, it is. Did and... you hold hands to that one at the concert? Is oh. that the like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't think so. we did. Um, <laughs> maybe. We did it together. We did, I'm sure. 
But another one that I really like is um, concrete and barbed wire. Okay. Um, and I think I like it more for the lyrics than anything else. Like the lyrics are good. Um, yeah. Because, and I think it's so, t- like, so one of the things you were saying was, like, does it play now, right? Yeah. Given that this is, like, an older an older album. Right. And I think this does, actually, oh, really? the song. Mm-hmm. Because one of the first lines in it is, this wall divides us, we're on two different sides. Oh, the words. Um, but this wall is not real. How can it be real? It's only made of concrete and barbed wire. Mm. And yeah. I was I was listening again to the album this week and I kind of had it on repeat. And I was thinking about how timely that is yeah. and how much it feels so relevant yeah. to what's going on politically and socially in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the the sort of struggles that we're facing, yeah. you know, as a country. Um, and so I think it really speaks to me in that sense. So which one are you going to pick? So I think <laughs> <laughs> Push it. I think, I think I'm going to pick that one. Um, Concrete and Yeah. Um, We've managed to reference five songs now. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So that's that's good. Good for you. For you. Um, <laughs> uh, Mike, do you want to tell us what, what you would have picked? Uh, what song jumps out to you? And, and I'll do the same. We don't usually do that when we've got guests, but um, that would be a way to explore another track or two. Yeah. Or... I, th- I think, and I've already talked about it a good amount, but I think the title track, Car Wheels on a Gravel okay. Road, just really, really resonated with me. And I love the way she she's written that one, the, the lyrics. Yeah. So the, I love the music of it too, but the lyrics really, really got to me. I've come back to that one a few times. So that's, mm. that would be my favorite. What about you? Do you well, have one? Yeah, you're all wrong. The best song is... <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, uh, this happens a lot when we're doing this. I'll, I'll press play with the first track and get like six or seven songs in and something will distract me. I've got to go make dinner or do the dishes or something. And I don't get around to the final few tracks. And I'm so glad I did on this album because Jackson, the very last track, mm-hmm. is my favorite. It's such a beautiful okay. song. Um, mm-hmm. Again, similar to Joy, kind of a different sound than the rest of the album. It's maybe a little sweeter sounding than some of the aggressive songs on the on the yeah. playlist but i really really like it and need to find a, a playlist of my own so i don't forget about that one um yeah. uh yeah it's a neat album mm-hmm. good choices it was, wasn't a bad song here so it's a <laughs> yeah, right yeah. and i think that that speaks to it like there's something for yeah. everyone on this album right like yeah, yeah. Very diverse. You can go for the kind of sweeter, fiercer, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, there's some that are more kind of wander lusty, yeah. um, reminiscent sort of songs. Um, Lake Charles, I think, is, like is one that's, that's very similar to that, yeah. right? So I think I almost feel like you could go through almost every emotion and listening he, to all of the songs you know, on this she album. Sings, she talks about Lake Charles in another song. Mm-hmm. She does, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. She references it. Yeah. Interesting. We like to try and set the albums we discuss into our present context, which can be challenging at times. Mm-hmm. We've already done a little bit of that for us, Pia, in yeah. relating some of the, the lyrics to current situations um we've we've evolved our how we ask this question over time but but what we're telling <laughs> right now on is kind of how it how the album has aged has it aged what has aged well what hasn't if anything yeah. in either of those um so do we have a do i have a volunteer in the class uh, someone raised their hand who wants to go first <laughs> <laughs> i feel like you have something prepared pia I don't have anything prepared, but just in thinking about it, I think it's aged well. And I think one of the reasons is that when I listen to this album, I feel like I'm reminiscing on my own life. And that's what mm. it sort of feels like to me, like she's sort of reminiscing. And that, I think, is something that's sort of timeless, right? That it's yeah. that emotion that sort of comes up about about thinking about the past is relevant whether it's 2023 or, or 1998, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of, 
in some ways, I don't think we've come that far, right? So a lot of the social issues she touches on, I think, are still very relevant, unfortunately. I think her as like this sort of strong female singer-songwriter is still very relevant. Um, I really do think it's aged well. And I think her ability to kind of um, mesh genders and, and be sort of not like our ability to not kind of nail her down to like this mm-hmm. one area, I think has also aged really well. I think, I feel like that's the case with most artists these days, right? That it's hard to pigeonhole them because they're mm-hmm. borrowing on other genres, um, yeah. as they're creating their music. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Good points. Well, it's yeah. going to be hard to argue with that. Anyone want to take a step? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will say, I think it's, I, I do think, like, I picked Joy because, I, it, you know, it's so empowering. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you took something and I'm taking it back. Mm-hmm. Um, so for mm-hmm. survivors of sexual assault, for example, that's immediately what I think of when I mm-hmm. hear yeah. that song. Wow. Um, so I love that empowering of taking back what you've lost. And I, I think that could be... That really could be positive <laughs> to yeah. hear that in this day and time on many issues. Yeah. Um, so that part, I, I think some of it's a little sounds a little '90s to me, or aged in in the sense that there's some repetitiveness in some of the songs. Um, you know, that do that constant. Um, repeat and actually concrete and barbed wire I like the words a lot but I feel like it's not as exciting for me um, musically it, because it repeats a lot mm-hmm. so um, yeah I, I don't know you have to go see her live in concert and just watch her power like <laughs> I mean yeah. that's what sells it I mean her, yeah. you, you can hear you hear her and how she portrays herself but Watching it on stage and being embodied is mm. she becomes that music mm-hmm. and she becomes that that power of those words. She's mm. also just super, uh, like, in in concert and and this is a very s- small venue right. in our little town, right. but it felt like she was there with friends, like she was like telling oh. stories and she was so Relaxed accessible and, and yeah. Mm. That you kind of felt like you knew her already yeah. to some degree. Yeah. 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 But then we just take your hat off. Yeah. The song. yeah. <laughs> well, I think a good artist has the ability to take something that might sound a little like from a production side of things stuck in the 90s and, and reinvent it and play the same song in a in a yeah. new, more powerful way too. Mm-hmm. I, I think Mike I've been thinking since we began when you said her her vocals are out front in the production mm-hmm. side of things that it almost sounds like I know this isn't the case she's got incredible talent behind her but it almost sounds like they got a production studio band to sort of play behind her to sort of elevate mm-hmm. her a little bit more and I think that somehow makes it sound a little bit dated too like it isn't a complete band it's mm-hmm. it's a oh, okay. it's a solo artist kind of like elevated yeah. above the music two things um, yeah. yeah and I uh, I I also hear some 90s chorus on the guitars and something mm-hmm. about I can't believe I'm going to say this something about the snare drum <laughs> sounds like a 90s uh, snare in there too Mike's always on about the, the snare drum sound and how it dates certain things um, apparently <laughs> I agree in this in this one case, um, <laughs> but other than that, like I think lyrical content, we, we keep saying over and over again about how authenticity kind of never ages. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. got that in spades, um, and and as we've mentioned over and over, such a gifted lyricist. I don't think, like I, yeah, even if someone just spoke these words, I think you would you would feel them in a very yeah. here and now kind of yeah. timeliness to them. So. It's a, a bit of a tricky one to, to pigeonhole or to to say what sounds dated here, but um, I like all the things we've said, we've said so far. <laughs> Do you have anything to add, Mike? What I think one of the one of the quotes from a guest we've had that we've repeated the most is someone once said, "Being genuine and sincere will always be relevant," mm-hmm. and yeah. I felt that very. Uh, 
relevant <laughs> to this album mm-hmm. uh, that yeah. you know that the and you you talked about her i believe pia you were saying but it really sounds like she's reminiscing on this album mm-hmm. and i in learning about her realizing that she was 45 when it came out you know so she's mm-hmm. she's got more you know a lot of the artists we've talked about are younger um yeah. you know in their 20s um mm-hmm. especially some earlier albums from artists uh so this is someone in i guess think we can say middle age um so you know that i think is really really special and that will always be relevant and i think Mm -hmm. that always ages well when you can be sincere someone said back when i did ben's done more of this but when i did a little preaching way back in the day someone said if it's not personal it's not powerful and I think about that sometimes as we share our stories, as we, even as we share our art. Yeah. Um, people can tell when you're not genuine, when <laughs> yeah. in whatever you present, in anything, even meeting someone on the street, yeah. people can tell. Right. Um, yeah. And and it goes the other way too. People can it really gets through. So I think that has made it 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 resonates no matter what decade we're in. Um, yeah. The. Yeah. I didn't really listen to country in this time, but we we've talked about you know, I think someone mentioned Shania Twain and she, um, she was mm-hmm. really exploding on the the new country and the country crossover scene. Right, so yeah. an album like this that has some very traditional country sounds mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. or instrumentation rather um, is is interesting because the country was heading in another direction mm-hmm. in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. So. I, I that can't don't impress even... on me much. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh brother. <laughs> um, but uh, um, so I can't say that it's dated in the way that it sounds like a country album because a lot of country at this time didn't mm-hmm. sound like this. Um, it was yeah. trying to head in another direction, and and certainly the male uh, dominated country didn't sound like this either. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Very different. So. I, again, it's so unique. So yeah. uh, I think it is aged better than the country at the time because these sounds, mm-hmm. with the resurgence of indie folk in the 2000s, mm-hmm. Americana. Americana being very popular, and people going back to a lot of those sounds um, mm-hmm. makes this extremely relevant and aged very well. Um, in fact, probably better than a lot of the things at the time. So um, yeah. it's a thumbs up for me in terms of this. <laughs> I think I think if this I think if this was played now I think it might even do better now than when mm-hmm. it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all speculation, but I I think that it would fit very well right now in mm-hmm. you know, you could put this up I I think she could perform this stuff with any indie folk act now mm-hmm. and it would fit right in. Yeah. yeah. My two cents for what they're worth. Um, thank you (laughs) that means a lot (laughs) Um, so let's move to our last little section here we like to comment on the rankings this is the 98th best album of all time according to the editors and those polled at Rolling Stone Um, how do we feel about that Um, start with you Sue and Pia it's a hard question to answer without being really familiar with the list but Without context, you know, and being a a beloved album of yours, uh, something, an album that you love, uh, how do you feel that this is, you know, ranked in the top 100? I'm actually really excited that it's it's ranked in the top 100. Um, And actually, when Ben reached out to me and told me that it was what the podcast was and that it was ranked in the top 100, I was like, hot damn, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Because a lot of the music that I like typically isn't ranked in the top, but it's not typically like mainstream, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. I was actually really Im- impressed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, especially for an artist that is sort of hard to to kind of pigeonhole or nail down. Yeah. Um, so. I, I don't know that I can comment on like is ninety eight a good spot for it. I think mm-hmm. I'm so. Right. so grateful that it's in the top 100 yeah. and yeah. i think it deserves to be yeah, yeah. um absolutely yeah yeah i i, I feel the okay. same I, I can't add much to that yeah. <laughs> well i think we've we've you know we've made it through 98 albums now there really hasn't <laughs> been much americana country folk stuff mm-hmm. here so like for this to be the 
one of a handful of albums yeah. that represent that. That's true. That genre outside of pop and rock, um, I think is maybe even more significant too. Uh, That's great. I, I like it here. Um, I wonder why it passed so many of us by and, and how that will um, play into its lasting legacy. These, this mm -hmm. list gets updated every decade or so. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> it, yeah. it's, yeah. it's jumped in an immense amount. It was set is in the low 300s, 304, 305, and then jumped all the way up to 98 mm -hmm. here in this 2020 oh, yeah. list. Um, so mm -hmm. something about this moment in time, we, we've noticed a lot that the, um, you know, a list that comes out in the pandemic really seemed to like authenticity <laughs> and yeah, uh, people yeah. being vulnerable and uh, it celebrates yep. more diversity than the earlier lists did too. So um, it, we, we've talked a number of times already tonight about uh, miscategorization of female artists. Um, mm -hmm. It took until, what was the first female artist on the old list, Mike? It was like something it, horrible like... Seven. Thirty. It was Joni, Joni Mitchell's jo Blue. Joni Mitchell's Blue was the first one, number 30. First female uh, solo artist. And, and on this list, uh, that same album is number three. Uh, and, uh, and a lot, more, a lot and, more representation. And by the time you too. get to 30, there's about, you know, I want to say closer to 10 uh, solo yeah. female artists. So much mm -hmm. more diversity, which makes much more sense. Yeah. Especially sure it made yeah. sense when that list came out, but makes yes. makes sense now. Still doesn't cover the sins of our past. Um, no. But no. <laughs> we're, we're all making amends, hopefully, <laughs> small steps. Well, yeah. I mean, if that, I mean, that alone, I think, speaks to its relevancy today, mm -hmm. right? Like, right. Yeah. people are still clearly connecting with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would I would love nothing more than for more people to listen to listen to Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and we've got two more advocates now who can say this is this <laughs> yeah. is great stuff here and encourage yeah. others to check it out as well. Nice, welcome. We referenced uh, uh, a couple of times that she's got you know a lot of other albums. She mm -hmm. does have one more on this list at number four twenty six, and this is a new addition. This album wasn't on. The other previous iterations is her self-titled album from 1988, so a decade mm -hmm. previous. Is that her debut, or do I have I that wrong? I think it was, yeah. Yes, I, I believe I believe so. So we'll look forward, um, and perhaps you want to join us in about 10 years when we get around, <laughs> when we get around to that one. Too. Anything you need, Ben, we're there. Yep. <laughs> okay, good. Let me. I've, I've fact-checked you, Ben. In fact, that was her third album. Oh, oh. And her first was in 79. Wow. wow. Yeah. Boy, she really did take a slow rise to yeah. she that did. greatness. Hmm. 79, oh, wow. 80, and then took an eight-year break. Um, wow. And then uh, Sweet Old World in 92. And then as we discussed, she started recording this in 95. But it, took it was, all the took, way to took almost three years to, to, yeah. to, wow. to get it finished. So, wow. yep. I think that says something too about about her as an yeah. artist. Yeah. Yes, she, she wanted to put it out there. Yeah, yep. she made it right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, friends, it's so good to reconnect. Um, yeah, next time we'll is. do it in person. We've got yes. Pride Month coming up here. I'm going to be yeah. riding my bike in the parade. Maybe I'll see yeah, you there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll see me. I'm lining up the bikers, the cars. Oh, perfect. Okay. Hopping on my bike at the end. And yeah. lots of uh, family-friendly stuff happening on Friday, too. Yeah. Awesome. If you want to bring your kids. Yeah. yeah. Good. Thank you so much for adding your voices you. to this long and winding journey that we're on. It it really means a lot. Excellent. It was super fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, it's been great. It, it has been great to meet you both. Me uh, too. I, I think this is the saddest I've been coming to the end of an episode. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, meeting you and hearing about your passion, your love for this album, and 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 how you shared it together. That's really yeah. really neat and and special. Uh, so. Uh, thank you once again. And um, so worth the six hour drive, right? Mike, absolutely. to come have a beer with us? Yeah. I need to. I need uh, to do Mike's, that. Do Mike's got two, uh, two pretty fabulous kids, a uh, uh, pretty fantastic spouse, too, who I'm also thinking would, would enjoy the, the connection with the two of you. So, oh, yes, nice. we'll have to make yes. it work. 
Yes, they would. And if there's any pride celebrations in town this year, we'll, we'll all we'll <laughs> all be, be there. there as well. So they would. <laughs> um, in fact, in fact, maybe that would be an excuse for us to come down. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> to join you, um, but in, uh, for now, we'll we'll sign off. Before we do, Ben, would you tell us what we have coming up next time? Yeah, um, we boy, this is uh, going to be a fun one. Um, our oldest children uh are pretty big fans uh of taylor swift and she's mm -hmm. coming up here uh with her album red at the number 99 spot we're almost at 100 um and we get we get one taylor album here for uh the sake of the next generation um, <laughs> we're hoping to have their voices on the podcast as well to spend some time with us talking about that album um, Taylor's version or the original? I don't know. We'll have to talk about that too. <laughs> that will come up in conversation. 100% <laughs> guarantee you. I'm surprised I don't have someone peeking around the corner commenting on it right now. Shouting about it. Yeah. <laughs> That'll happen. Yeah. Um, for, for the last time, thank you so much, Pia and Susan, yeah. for joining us. Thank you, Ben, again. Uh, thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope you continue to be well. We hope you take care of yourselves and those around you. And of course, we hope you'll join us again right here on the SoundLogic Podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.